the narrative out there is like, oh, America's the promised land. So like once yes. you get to America, it's like everything's fine because we're living the American dream. Uh, and so like there's it? no <laughs> Oh my is God. It? Please stop it. <laughs> Hey, Dustin. Hey, Crystal. Hey, Me-Searchers. You're listening to the Me-Search Podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Dustin Domingo. And I am Crystal Tugatti. And on this show, we have critical, messy, and fun conversations with each other, with friends, and with leaders in the community. And together, we'll unpack important issues, learn, and unlearn what we think we know about what it means to be Filipino. Today, we have a badass episode. Oh! A badass episode. We're talking about civic engagement. <laughs> Ooh, love. love. What is it? Why is it important? All that jazz. And today we have a super duper special guest uh, to join us in the discussion. It's fellow educator, Dr. Glenn Kinsler. Welcome to the show. Uh, Glenn, you're a first generation college student with about 15 years of uh, professional higher education experience. Um I love that we know each other pre-pandemic. And Gleanne just finished her doctorate with research in how cultural experiences influence civic behavior. Ooh, Yay, congratulations. 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 <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for that incredible <laughs> intro. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is a true joy to be on the podcast. I am a longtime listener, first time caller, and so this is very exciting. <laughs> this oh, is exciting man. for me because I also I met you before you started your doctorate degree program. And now you literally just like finished. You like just finished. I just finished. And I was I remember talking to you back in 2019 2019 and thinking mm -hmm. i was like i don't know if this is for me feeling a lot of imposter syndrome and you really motivated me and i guess was it was a good influence on helping me go through this journey so thank Aww. you no thank you oh my gosh <laughs> thank you thank you Aww. for being in my life um before we jump in, in the first question just because i know this is an exciting time for you what are a few words to describe how you're feeling in this moment now that you're done? <laughs> um, I don't think it's real yet. Like, it hasn't hit yet. <laughs> mm. Maybe it will soon enough. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me when it will, like, hit and feel real. Because I also have had a few instances where people have been like, Dr. Kinsler, and I'm like, who? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had moments like that, too. What I'll say is that... Um, the feeling of having deadlines looming around the corner for like papers or like research to submit that doesn't go away until like a year from now or like that that's been that was my experience and other folks that I've talked to that has been their experience too. So you may feel I don't know if this is the case for you, but if you are feeling like, oh, I have like a sense of urgency, but there's nothing to do. And there's like something that's like a feeling that's adjacent to anxiety because of like assignments due. that will trail off eventually, but give it some time. Somebody told me that what I'm feeling right now, maybe is like going through, they said it was um, the postpartum doctorate blues. Oh my like God. The it has a name. 
like the fourth trimester of going through a doctoral program. And I was like, oh yeah, that, that, that vocabulary makes a lot of sense. Yes. And speaking of your dissertation, um, can you tell us what your research was about? Because that's kind of like in the vein of this conversation that we're having today. Like what's the pitch of your dissertation? So I looked at the civic behavior of Filipinx American college students and what higher education institutions could do to help uh, Filipinx American college students be more civically engaged um, because the research and data out there demonstrates that Asian Americans in general aren't uh, voting at the same rates as their um, as other racial groups and um, Typically, education is a predictor of civic engagement, but that's not the case for Asian Americans. And so I wanted to look more into that, specifically at uh, Filipinx American students. Ooh, super fascinating. So we're not voting? (laughs) (laughs) No, we are not voting. And it's really crazy because when you look at the income disparities between Asian Americans, like Asian Americans hold, have the highest level of uh, education attainment when you look at all the different racial groups. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oftentimes education is a predictor of whether or not a person will vote. But Asian Americans aren't voting at the same rates as whites and blacks. Um, And when you look at the um, income disparities, the highest earning Asian Americans have nine times the income of the lowest Asian Americans that are in that same group. Oh yeah. Oh my God. What? So I was like, this is crazy. Like, why aren't we voting so that we can help, you know, these issues, our everyday experiences aren't, you know, that vast, like that gap doesn't exist. Um, and so I was interested in like kind of digging deeper into what does this mean? Like, well, why is this the case? why what is happening and I think I definitely saw something happening during um like the pandemic and at the height of Black Lives Matter and the anti-Asian hate um movements and seeing oh wow like our Asian American friends and colleagues weren't politically active in the same way that other people were and Mm -hmm. so I was just like what it what is happening I don't know I just wanted to learn more and so that's what kind of was the catalyst to get me into this research. <sighs> Love. Could you be any more perfect for this podcast? Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like perfection. Um, so as we're getting into it for, for uh, just to get level set, can you tell us what civic engagement is and what, you know, we talked about voting, but what are some other examples of civic engagement? That's a funny thing to start with, because that was where (laughs) I started with my research. And, you know, there are so many different definitions for civic engagement. I think broadly speaking, it's really working to make a difference in your community. Mm -hmm. But I but when we get into like academic terms, um, I use the National Conference on Citizenship uh, for measurements of civic behavior. And so I looked at The first one, political and civic engagement in your traditional forms, when you think of voting and, you know, doing the census and volunteering and uh, participating in 
political activities, um, contacting political officials. That's like one element of civic behavior. Another one is group affiliation. So think of church memberships, being a part of the PTA, um, being a part of a union. The third area that I looked at was social comedy, um, because if you look at America today, there's an increase in people living on their own. And so you have less shared experiences with people who might think or act or have different beliefs than you. Mm -hmm. um, and so we find ourselves in these social silos and social enclaves on the internet or like where we stand with our political affiliations and you find more partisan tribalism, um, social trust goes down because, you know, you're not interacting with as many people and you see efforts to defund the police get getting really controversial. And so that's the third area. The fourth area is information and knowledge. And so if you think about the way to uphold a, a modern democracy is to have information to do that. And so um, I think the efforts for um, pushing ethnic studies in, in schools is a big one to really address how, um, you know, oppression has affected the everyday lives of different communities in America. Um, and getting different perspectives on American history. And so those are the four different areas of civic engagement that I really looked at. Wow. So many ways, so many ways to get engaged. There are so many ways to get engaged. And I I feel uh, a bit of like conflict in my brain right now, because when I think of an undergraduate Filipino American student, well, honestly, my first reaction was, how is it possible that Filipino Americans are not, like, voting? Because my perception of at least, like, the community I grew up with in undergraduate settings, it's like there's Filipino American students. I have seen them be very, like, active in, like, social justice issues. But at the same time, I also feel there's another end of the spectrum where they're completely like disengaged um, and maybe they're just like not, yeah, they don't see that voting is important, but I'm wondering if you have thoughts on like, since there are different ways to be civically engaged, is there a way that Filipino American undergraduate students participating in like bettering their community if it's not voting? Like what is it that mm -hmm. these people are doing? Yeah, it's really interesting because what I was seeing was also things that I was seeing in my personal life. And so what I found through my research were these students are civically engaged, but the ways they're civically engaged aren't in the political aspects and the traditional forms of civic engagement. Mm. They're involved in the group affiliation. So, so many of them are participating in student organizations um, and, you know, taking ethnic studies courses and trying to absorb that information and knowledge in that way, but they weren't voting in the same ways. And so, so many of them weren't, um, I'd ask them like, did you vote in the 2020 election? And they'd be like, yeah, everything was on the line in 2020. And so I voted, I made sure I did all the things, you know, I posted a black square. I, you know, contacted political officials. I did all the things in 2020 because everything was on the line. But when I asked them, did you vote in the recent midterm elections in the 2022 midterms, they'd say no. Mm -hmm. And I'd ask them why. 
and they'd be like, oh, I just didn't know like what was on on the ballot. It didn't feel as important. Like there was a disconnect there. Um, and so they weren't able to connect with the issues and how that affected their everyday lives. And those that did vote were able to do that. And so it was like the the knowledge piece was missing for them or that they didn't feel like their voice um, would matter. Personally, like growing up, like once I turned 18, like I, you know, I was on, I was on my community college campus and like, you know, we had the people who were like, hey, register to vote. I'm like, yeah, I'm 18. Totally. <laughs> you know? And um, I remember, you know, just getting my feet wet in civic engagement and it's like, oh, there's a midterm. Okay, cool. And then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, it's like those bigger ones where it's like the presidential election, where it's highly televised mm -hmm. and there's a lot more buzz around it is a lot more accessible. I felt to get engaged with is a lot more easier. But when it came to the smaller ones, I had to learn how to um, get more involved and realize that there these these elections are also very, 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 very important and mm -hmm. are a huge factor in like how our everyday lives in our communities function. So can you like tell folks why these like midterms and not as um, televised moments are just as important and how folks who are not as aware of these things can um, learn more about it, perhaps, or feel more um, urgency to get involved in those. Yeah. Ways. I mean, it does impact our everyday lives. And we think about like, who are the politicians that we're voting into these positions? And we see things on at, even at the state to state level, like we hear about states that are trying to ban TikTok, like talk about our everyday experiences like I know right. we are scrolling on the TikTok you know endless doom scroll forever and so <laughs> these are people that we're voting into these positions that are making these decisions and that's you know how we connect with one another um, and that's just one area but we think about all these like you know, legislation on LGBTQ plus you know laws or even like book bans um th the book bans or like bans on ethnic studies in schools like this is how we shape our everyday ex experiences and our everyday interactions with one another because if people aren't learning about diverse stories and hearing different perspectives then it's furthering divide it's like the divide is e becoming even further um we're getting further divided and you know, we aren't able to learn from one another. And, you know, it's about censorship. What happens when we learn about experiences that are different from each than our own, we develop empathy. And when we have that empathy, we start treating people differently. Um, but if we are starting with, you know, censorship from book bans and ethnic studies courses and laws that prevent um, people from, you know, maybe coming out we're not able to learn from one another. And so that really does shape 
our everyday interactions with people that aren't like us. Um, and I think that's the real like heart of all of it. Mm. Yes. And like these, these midterms and maybe these not as um, famous names that you hear like on major network television news, like our um, council people, et cetera, et cetera. These are all the people who are involved in our micro communities. Um, exactly. And, you know, power of one, right? It's like if this one little community is starting this, who knows what would happen to the rest of the nation if people continue to um, adopt these things or not. Yeah, I mean, like, Joe Biden doesn't know what city, like, what's happening in the cities that we live in, right? Right, like, yes. Our mayors and our city council yes. members, and they are the ones that understand who the people are within these communities and have power to affect our, you know, daily experiences. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, the president, vice president of the United States, or even the governor, for that matter. It's the people he that are here in our local areas. Yeah. And I feel like my education growing up didn't really have much emphasis on that. It's like my view was always to the country as a whole, our, you know, our top, top leaders, like our president and like people in, you know, visible Congress, you know, all that. But I don't think I ever really learned in school that these are mayors, our council people, our accountants, all these people are also individuals that we need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember really learning about like the structure of our smaller communities systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just remember learning it on a macro level, never on the micro level. And that's a failure of our education systems. And that was part of my research is, you know, if all men are created equal and are entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, like what does that mean? And how are we supporting, you know, democracy in that way through education Um, and looking at what can specifically higher education uh, institutions do to support Uh, its students so that they have the knowledge and skills and capacities to uphold the democracies that, you know, they created these institutions to support. So you spoke just briefly about um, like the higher education system and how it can help students help the community be more involved in understanding what's happening in their local uh, government and communities. What, I guess I have two questions for you as far as students or young people who do want to get engaged, I guess part one, what steps would you advise a young person to take to learn more about their government, their local government? And also part two of the question is, what should the local government be doing to educate the community so that they understand like what steps they should be doing to be more involved? Wow. That's a lot. Okay. So the first question is what can like individuals do to get more involved? Um, I think specific for 
Filipinx Americans, what I think about and what came up in my research was um, Jose Rizal has this quote, um, I'm paraphrasing here, it's more of the like, no history, no self, no history, no self, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think when Filipino Americans and the students in my study were able to reflect on their personal histories and understand their positionality as Filipino Americans and their family histories, they can see more of their, how they can use the powers and privileges that they have today to kind of move forward. Um, Cause there's so much, you know, colonialism and, you know, the Philippine, America relationship um, really impacting our everyday experiences because we talked a lot about how martial law in the Philippines impacted the students and because through their families like intergenerational trauma. Um, I remember one student particularly saying that um, their I think it was like their grandpa or their uncle was held at gunpoint and like forced to vote um because of martial law and so they were like I could have died if I didn't vote for Marcos and so how that showed up in their families everyday experiences once they immigrated to America was you know we don't ruffle any feathers we don't we don't say anything we don't get involved in you know politics Mm -hmm. because that could endanger somebody's safety and so really understanding you know that history um and when you are able to you know kind of know where know where you're at and where you came from you're able to make sense of where you're like how you're going to move forward and Mm -hmm. so I think that's a really critical piece for Filipinx Americans and the power of you know being critical of your own identity um Mm -hmm. to understand like well how is it that I got here and what should I do to advocate for Filipino Americans and for Filipinos in the Philippines understanding how you know colonization has affected our experiences so I think like that's a really great place for like the first part because I think as students were able to be more critical of their identity whether it was through student organizations or you know Asian American studies courses learning more about their history they became more politically engaged and politically motivated, whether it was like researching, you know, and choreographing dances for their PCNs or learning um, Filipinx American history through, you know, their ASAM classes, they felt more compelled. Um, And so I think that ability to reflect and be critical helped them understand this is my power and privilege here in America today. Damn, that is so true. Like, I really didn't, I really, I feel like I didn't get involved civically until, like, for real, for real, until, like, I was in a PCN and learned, like, this really dark, dark history of the 1904 World's Fair. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know? And then that kind of also snowballed into, like, learning more about my own personal history and, like, Especially my dad's side, who was, um, you know, a warrior for the people in the Philippines, who 
sadly died because he was standing up to the government. But so it's like, yeah, how do we get our community to lean into our history? Because I feel like that is really something that we just don't do (laughs) like we really don't unless we are in like these groups that are specifically trying to lean into our culture i think the narrative out there is like oh america is the promised land so like once you get to america it's like everything's fine because we're living the american dream and so like there's no (laughs) (laughs) oh my god please stop it Well, we don't need to look back because we only need to look forward and, you know, become a nurse and, you know, a a lawyer and everything will be fine because look at this path ahead. Um, I don't know. That's my guess. But that's what that's kind of like what I see is there's no need to look back because we're here now. What why does it matter? Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. I see that, too. I definitely see that, too. And what, what about, like, what onus does the local government have in getting its people involved? I mean, it's getting, it's connecting with the people, right? And so there's so many people, and meeting people where they're at. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes in diverse communities, we're looking at, like, the dominant paradigms of, like, where are people meeting? And where are people congregating so that we can understand their experiences? Um, but I think for Filipino Americans, like, those dominant paradigms don't always work for us. And mm-hmm. so w- really ha- having, I think representation is one piece, but how you represent and meet people where they're at to understand the issues affecting them is the other piece. And I think we saw that so much during COVID and the pandemic um, and seeing like, you know, the traditional forms of how we contact and communicate with our political officials aren't working. Um, and I wish I had the answer for you. And maybe if I did, you know, I'd fix the whole system. But um, I think it's really like building those relationships within the community and seeking out like, where are all of the constituents, you know, meeting, where are they at? How do I connect with them and understand what their, you know, what, what are the issues that affect them? And how is it um, what are their experiences like? Um, and so I think that's a big piece of the puzzle. Thank you for the response on that. I think what's difficult for young people, especially for perhaps children of immigrants, with the idea that a lot of us just need to put our heads down and not like make waves, mm-hmm. we per- we foresee the local government or any government official or any person in 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 power as like somebody you don't question or get involved with you are directed by them and Mm -hmm. i think it's important um a piece that you said was something to the effect of like meet the people where they're at Mm. i think it's important for people to understand that the government officials who are electing have a responsibility to engage with us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i personally feel that local government officials should be doing some work in like extending the hand, getting into the community. And it shouldn't always be necessarily the um, community member like doing all of the work to figure shit out. So I think it's important to like continue the conversation of like, this is a two-way street. Like what what can y'all do for the people also? Yes. Yeah, I think like 
we think of this idea of like, you know, that all men are created equal in the Declaration of Independence. And like, if that were true, if the government and systems within the country were meant to be equal, then it would be representative and inclusive of all the people that it serves. And so, but in order to serve them, we really need to understand them and like give voice to all of them. And like, Mm -hmm. that's the piece that's missing because, you know, we look at who's writing our history books and like these book bands, you know, these book Mm -hmm. bands are, you know, censoring often, you know, BIPOC people or Mm -hmm. even um, these ethnic studies, you know, the CRT and all this legislation against like ethnic studies and DEI issues goes back to, we're now not able to tell like American history and other experiences of BIPOC people. And so how are we really going to understand and give voice to them if we're censoring them? Right. Right. I'm really curious as to our um, collective fear of authority and totally know totally recognize that it's based in colonialism and like all the shit that's happened because of martial law it's like um there is so much fear which then becomes indifference and just kind of hoping that everyone else will take care of the issues mm-hmm. and we're just gonna live in it i think that is a lot of the mindsets that i i'm taking from people and going back to the fear part because I think it's of course it's all like at the end of the day rooted in fear mm-hmm. for someone who is Filipino Filipinx Filipina person of color who has also been in a space of being colonized but they are on the cusp of wanting to be civically engaged but they're mm-hmm. so fearful is there something that you can tell tell us that can help ease our fear or empower us to um, just get out there and, and get engaged. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's just finding other people, um, Mm. finding community because there's power in numbers and we see that like, right. And so the black lives matter movement, like there's power in numbers. And so even if you are fearful, like there are other people who share the same thoughts um, and are feeling similarly. Um, and if you are able to find them, whether it be, you know, through a club on campus, if you're a student or, you know, if you're part of a union at work, um, you know, there's that power and almost safety in those numbers um, to be able to advocate for the community as a whole. But I think like there's definitely power in numbers and opportunities to advance when we think of our needs as a collective. Mm. Yes. There's really so much that can happen when we're in community. We're in community right now, learning about civic engagement. At the same time, I feel like we're also healing a lot of things and like trying to ease our fears. Because I know that I, I certainly have some fears still, like that still linger in me when like I want to 
get more politically engaged or like even when I speak up on this podcast like after I leave the podcast (laughs) there's so much anxiety about like what the fuck did I just say am I gonna get in trouble like all these things but it's kind of just like well this is my truth this is my experience as a Filipino woman in America and I need to say all of these things because somehow some way I'm hoping that you know my words will bring me to people who are like-minded and who also want to topple all the bullshit, (laughs) bullshit systems that oppress us. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just community. There's so much opportunity in community. And there's so many ways to find it too. Like through this podcast, through the internet, Facebook, like there's community and so many different places even if it's not like you can't be physically in person like there are so many other places to find it mm-hmm. yes if you're a shy boo there's a shy boo in this group i'm sure and you can talk about your shyness and then go out and try to topple the patriarchy <laughs> or racism or you know figure out this banned book situation like i think like i'm i'm super shy like it people really think that I'm not but y'all I fucking am <laughs> so like it's um it's been a a struggle for me at times coupled with like all the fear right but like what I have learned is that there is always gonna at least be one person who is just as shy or just as awkward who is trying to figure out how to be in space with people and um, yeah. also coming out of like the the pandemic of like being so isolated, it's like I feel like we're all trying to figure out how to be with one another again. <laughs> yeah, but it just takes one person too. So like, even if you are shy and you're scared, but you do it, the ripple effect that it has on the community. One of the things that came up in my research were was like the people that did vote in the 2020 midterm elections had role models that showed them how to do it or had Mm -hmm. role models that they could engage with to kind of like have conversations about, well, what does that look like? And what does this mean? Or like, and they can ask questions too. And that role modeling piece is so critical because it just takes one person and you just never know if you'll be that person for somebody else. Mm. Yes. That's very profound. I think like what that reminds me of is like, we we are doing really good work in this moment of just having a conversation. And I think with this podcast, we may be having a conversation and it's not just voicing opinions. It's figuring shit out because like we don't know everything. We're just like trying to learn as much as we can along the way. And I think when folks hear us trying to learn more from one another, it gives them permission to try to like work it out also there's so much to figure out and it can be confusing and intimidating and the just the phrase like civic engagement that's such an intimidating thing Mm -hmm. Um, but it really is like part of part of civic engagement is just trying to figure out how you can help and learn from one another and be involved and just make the community just better like what can you do Yeah, it was such a textbook term. And when I talk to students, like, we're not students aren't like talking to each other, like, how are you civically engaged? (laughs) Um, 
that's not the language they're using. And I would ask them like, what, what's another word for civic engagement for you? And they would give me different things like, but at, at the heart of it, somebody said, oh, like, what are you involved with? Hmm. And that was like, I was like, oh yeah, involvement. Like, how are you involved in the community? Or somebody was like, oh, it's social impact. That's really what you're trying to get at. Hmm. Thank you for like giving us a different language to like chew on because that is a little bit more accessible, especially to young people. Um, Like, what are you, what are you involved with is so much easier to comprehend and like figure out as opposed to like the sparkly words of civic engagement. Thank you. Um. As we we're we're just about at time, so I want to give you a few more minutes, um, Dr. Kinsler. The <laughs> stage is yours. What is what are like some last thoughts that you would like to like impart to our Filipino American audience, our Filipino audience across the globe? Yeah, gosh, I wanted to share this one story about. Because I think some of these things have come up in your different episodes about like Tagalog and mm. whether people, you know, know how to speak Tagalog and just like, what does that mean for your Filipino American identity? Um, and there, it was really interesting because one student was like, yeah, I've never had Tagalog offered as a course. Um, there was and then in high school, I found out after I'd left that my high school, you know, we have a really large Filipino population. They offered it as a course, but not for language credit. And Mm -hmm. it was offered as like an extracurricular like class, as opposed to a language credit like French or Spanish. Um, (sighs) And they were like, that's just so disrespectful. And seeing like, and it was this idea of like, if you don't see me and value my voice, how am I going to see me and value my voice? Mm. Um, and so it was just really disheartening, but it helped them recognize like, oh, if you're not going to advocate for my community and see it as valuable as for a language credit, then I really need to, like nobody else is going to come for me. Like nobody else is going to advocate for us. And so we need to advocate for us because nobody else, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to require us to do it on our own. Um, and so really like finding the voice, even though like there's so much colonization that has impacted our mentality, um, that colonial mentality of like speaking up um, and ruffling feathers um, that if we, if it, if not us, then who? And so I think that's the message that I took away from a lot of that is if you're not going to see me, then let me become visible. And sometimes that becoming visible is, you know, power in numbers and getting involved in a student organization or, you know, finding opportunities to make myself visible so that I could use my voice to advocate for our community. Well, I'm feeling empowered. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh. Yes. 
Thank you so much for for joining us. I wish we had more time. I know. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> yeah, like maybe we can have you on for a future ep. But um Yeah, maybe yeah, like around you. election season or something. Yeah, man. Oh yeah. Gosh. Let's plan for yes. that. <laughs> I would love to. I feel like I've learned so much and I just feel seen in this conversation and I feel um I feel like folks who are listening, I I have a really wonderful feeling that they're too going to be very empowered and um, hopefully find their peeps to get things rolling and going. <laughs> yeah, I hope the word civic engagement don't scare them too much. Civic it's engagement, just a fancy, civic engagement, civic engagement. It's just a fancy Normalize academic. <laughs> It's a fancy academic term for getting involved in the community. Involvement, (laughs) y'all. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That was a lovely, lovely, empowering and informational and all the things conversation. And we can't wait to have you back on the show to talk more because I still have a million questions for you. Y'all, this was Dr. Gleanne Kinsler. Don't forget, everybody, if you're tuning in, be a MeSearcher. Follow us at MeSearchPodcast and check us out online at MeSearchPodcast.com. As always, we are going to get to the bottom of things. This is MeSearch, folks. Oh,